This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Tonight, chilling new details about murder suspects Briar Schmigelski and Cam McLeod. How a potential fourth victim escaped. Plus. Have a large container on top of two vehicles with possible entrapment. Trapped passengers and multiple injuries. And the training exercise to prepare for the worst. And. If they all survive this, it'll be a miracle. Eviction day at a low-income seniors and assisted living residents with just three weeks notice. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news tonight. A road worker with the city of Vancouver has died in a workplace accident. It happened just after 2 o'clock this afternoon in the 3800 block of 2nd Avenue near Boundary Road and Lougheed Highway on the Vancouver-Burnaby border. WorkSafe BC says it's investigating a serious workplace incident but would not provide any further details. The BC Coroner Service is on scene. Road crews have been conducting paving work and water main installation on Boundary Road. We will never know the motivation behind it, but we're learning the murder spree that left three people dead in northern BC this summer could have claimed a fourth victim. We're also now learning what may have been a crucial turning point in the investigation. As Jill Bennett reports, it all stems from newly released information from the RCMP. RCMP have released a detailed account of the actions of Cam McLeod and Briar Schmigelski from the first murders of China Deese and Lucas Fowler, both shot several times on the side of the Alaska Highway, to the murder of Leonard Dick, killed by a single shot. We also now know about a close call. On July 17th, just before midnight, a driver stopped along the Alaska Highway to take a nap. He noticed a truck and camper pull up. One of the pair got out with a rifle and walked towards his vehicle in a hunting or tactical stance. That wasn't reported to police, though, for a few days, just before McLeod and Schmigelski became suspects. And where that transition comes from missing to suspect, it was very fluid. RCMP have also revealed on July 22nd, investigators became aware of a witness at a detachment who knew McLeod and Schmigelski and believed they may have been involved in the murders, a big contradiction to earlier statements from family and friends. We're talking about uh, uh, several hours overnight from the 22nd to the 23rd when we went public to, uh, to advise that they were now suspect. There is still one question that might never be answered, motive. It's not an easy fact for my client to hear, but it is one that he accepts. Uh, and it is something that uh, we would like to have more information on, of course, in the future in terms of uh, what exactly motivated these two young people to go out and to commit these uh, heinous crimes against the community and ultimately themselves. RCMP found both spent and unspent shell casings at both murder scenes and a license plate linked to Cam McLeod, but couldn't confirm immediately that he had bought a gun and ammunition on July 12th, the day the pair left Port Alberni.
Certainly, I, I think we uh, should have a better tracking, uh, a better uh, information recording, uh, so that if there's the possibility to be able to say, okay, that we, this is the weapon we think and that there's, uh, it's easier to, to, uh, to trace. The families of China Deese and Lucas Fowler have both issued statements. Many thanks to the men and women of uniform for their tireless efforts as a piece of justice has been served in knowing the conclusion of this case. We struggle daily with what happened and fail to understand why. Jill Bennett, Global News. A man has been arrested in connection with a woman's death in Langley. Police were called to a home in the 27500 block of 31B Avenue just after 2 o'clock yesterday afternoon following the sudden death of a 72-year-old woman. Police say a man was taken into custody. The BC Coroner Service has been called to determine the cause of death. Neighbours remember the woman as friendly but say RCMP have been called to the home in the past to deal with disturbances there. Just a sweetheart of a lady, very giving. Um, she brings presents to all the kids, Christmas time, Halloween, their birthdays. You know, a real grandma. And he was taken in handcuffs. So he being the son. So he was out in his driveway and very distraught. An Abbotsford family who has been struggling to cope with the disappearance and presumed death of their daughter in Peru took a step towards healing today. They held a celebration of life this afternoon for Kimberly Kazetkin. She was last seen alive nearly three years ago. As Romina Dea reports, the situation is all the more difficult because her partner is charged with her murder. We all miss her. Sorry she's gone, but let's uh, celebrate her life as it was. It's been almost three years since Kimberly Kasatkin vanished. Her family finally moving forward with a service to remember her. This, it is time. We know her status. We're calling it a celebration of life because we don't have a death certificate. In our hearts, we know she's not going to come back. Kasatkin was last seen alive in Lima, Peru in November 2016. Her partner, Christopher Franz Betaki, has been charged with femicide, the killing of a woman under Peruvian law. Kasatkin's body has never been found, but chilling surveillance footage reveals Betaki moving a heavy suitcase. Kasatkin's body suspected to be inside. Betaki denies it, claiming it was camping gear. He has been arrested, charged, held in prison, illegally released, been a fugitive at large with an arrest warrant and reward for his capture. A partir de hoy, Christopher Franz Betoki. A criminal trial impossible until Betoki's found. The couple's two young children currently living with Betoki's mother in Peru. Alan Kathy Kasatkin fighting to bring their grandchildren to Canada. They met briefly in court in Lima earlier this month, but another delay. The guardianship hearing cancelled. I actually touched them for five seconds each. So I got to say hello to them and then they, the children were basically told to don't look at us, don't talk to us, pretend you don't, pretend know, you them. don't know them. To not know the truth of what happened and they'll find out eventually when that happens if they're not up here, if, if they've been lied to for years that it's it's just not going to be good for them at all. While today is about letting go, Kimberly's family is not giving up. My gut tells me they're going to find Kim by the end of this year. I can't tell you why, I don't know, but I just have a feeling that we're going to find her this year. Romina Dea, Global News. 
It was a random attack that stunned the quiet West Kootenai city of Nelson, a knife-wielding woman stabbing a stranger on a busy downtown street. The young victim is recovering, and as Kristen Robinson reports, her friends and family are grateful for the good Samaritans who stepped in to help save her life. The young woman stabbed at least five times in a random attack, recovering from surgery in Kelowna Hospital. Her friends and family thankful Several good Samaritans on the streets of Nelson stepped in to help save her life. It was one of the most traumatic experiences I've ever witnessed. It unfolded on the corner of Stanley and Baker on September 19th. Naomi Starspires witnessed what she thought was a woman punching someone until she got closer. She had a knife. It looked like about six inch blade and was stabbing the other woman. Bystanders quickly subdued the female attacker. One of them stabbed in the leg as he intervened. A big gentleman who was wearing like a motorbike helmet, he had just pinned her down. Adrian Moyles still shaken after rushing to help the victim. I saw her um, on the ground laying on her back um, with blood everywhere. Um, and a gentleman was holding her neck to stop her from, from bleeding out. I saw her eyes, you know, sort of drifting in and out of her body. And she was making some, some pretty horrific kind of sounds of struggling to, to breathe and to survive. You know, I just kept reminding her, you know, help is here and just breathe long and deep. Everything's going to be okay. 49-year-old Fiona Jane Coyle arrested and charged with attempted murder. Police probing whether mental illness may have been a factor. This one incident doesn't define um, what this community is about. Some so touched at how the community came together, they're fundraising to help Ramita and the Good Samaritans. It was just uh, really heartening to see how many people literally put their lives on the line. It was gory. It was definitely quite horrific. I'm just so grateful that she's alive. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Two pedestrians are in hospital after trying to jaywalk across a busy street in Surrey last night. Witnesses say three young women were attempting to cross the eastbound lanes of Fraser Highway at 160th at around 7 o'clock when they were hit by one or more minivans. Two of the teens were transported to hospital, both with serious injuries. No word on the condition of the third pedestrian. The drivers remained at the scene. A pedestrian was struck in Surrey Friday evening, this one in the Clayton Heights neighborhood at 192nd Street and 72nd Avenue. Emergency health services confirmed one person was taken to hospital in serious condition. No other details were available. And the victim, vehicle and driver remained at the scene. Highway 1 at Whatcom Road in Abbotsford was closed for several hours overnight after a serious crash at around 2 o'clock this morning. One person was taken to hospital with unknown injuries. No word on a possible cause of the accident. Day 18 of the federal election campaign found the NDP leader campaigning on board a BC ferry. Jagmeet Singh making a transit announcement this morning on a ferry sailing to the lower mainland from Victoria. If elected as prime minister, Singh is promising $30 million of federal funding to BC's ferry system. We know that the cost of taking a ferry is a lot and it's difficult for a lot of families. The BC government has taken some strong measures to make life easier by reducing the costs, by making it easier for seniors, but we want to take it a bit further. So we're announcing a $30 million investment to boost investments into the current existing agreement with BC and the ferries. We know this will help with more service and lower costs. 
This is exactly what families need, and we want to make sure that we're there for them. Conservative Party leader Andrew Scheer took his campaign to Edmonton today, where he touted his plan for a national energy corridor. He says that corridor would carry oil, gas, hydroelectricity, as well as telecommunications across the country. He says the plan would pay economic benefits beyond the prairies. In terms of benefiting from it, uh, there's no doubt that the people who have been laid off here in Alberta uh, and Saskatchewan will benefit when we get these projects back up and running again. But the benefits of Western Canadian oil and gas is shared with all Canadians. It benefits every province in this country. Refinery jobs in eastern Canada, manufacturing jobs in Ontario and Quebec, the revenue that goes into the federal government that allows the federal government to support provincial programs for health and education in every country. Scheer also said the project would take environmental concerns into consideration. Green Party leader Elizabeth May and People's Party leader Maxime Bernier are attending local events in their home ridings in B.C. and Quebec, respectively. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau took the day off from the campaign trail. Social media comments can be nasty, especially during an election campaign, and women face a disproportionate amount of abuse online. Now, a group called Parody YEG is fighting back. The group's parody bot uses artificial intelligence to detect abusive tweets towards female candidates. Anything misogynistic, sexist, or racist triggers an automatic uplifting tweet to be sent out to combat the hateful one. Experts estimate up to 11% of all messages directed towards women in Canadian politics are not civil. And that's discouraging women in particular from running from pub for public office. In our work with Parity UIEG, we were constantly told that um, social media and the abuse that women face online is a big barrier for women running. And so we wanted to do something about it. Obviously, social media is, can be a negative place for everyone, um, but it's disproportionately um, even more negative for women and women who are either holding public office or running for public office. Parody YEG monitors tweets nationally, and over the course of 12 hours, it tracked 38 positive tweets sent out by its bot. A dramatic scene played out at a lower mainland recycling site this morning. Langley firefighters responding to a rail accident. Fortunately, it was a simulation, a training exercise to prepare for the worst. But as Nadia Stewart reports, it's a situation first responders are all too familiar with have a large container on top of two vehicles with possible entrapment. It is the kind of scene firefighters in Langley find they're being called out to more often than they would like. Where freeing trapped passengers means time is of the essence. You're requesting another ambulance, only sure that there are two ambulances responding. This and, is uh, a training we'll exercise, a mock scene where rail cars have fallen onto two cars, trapping the passengers inside. A situation meant to imitate a reality Firefighters are encountering more in Langley. These challenges are becoming uh, far more complicated and far too frequent. We've got 1.7 TUs going through the city of Langley and Township on an annual basis coming out of Delta Port and 70% uh, of those are by rail, 30% by truck. Earlier this year, a collision between a train and a car killed an elderly couple. That was not the only crash. 
This September 2015 collision involving an ambulance and train claimed the life of an 87-year-old woman. About 700,000 shipping containers pass through Langley City and Township every year. It's why first responders say this kind of training is crucial. This training, we generally are maintaining a number of our different training programs and skill sets to uh, maintain the firefighter's state of readiness. This field classroom presents the ideal environment where trainers can adjust the pace of the exercise to ensure maximum learning. The coaching, the mentoring that's taken place from seasoned, experienced officers right to new probation junior firefighters that we have here on scene. And this is where they're, they're building their, their wealth of knowledge for their entire career. Making sure they're ready should the unthinkable happen. Nadia Stork, Global News. It was moving day at an assisted living facility in Salmon Arm, a day residents have been dreading. Nearly three dozen low-income seniors and people with disabilities have been evicted from their homes at the privately run facility with less than three weeks' notice. Jules Knox has more. A packing frenzy at an assisted living facility in Salmon Arm. Belongings carted away by people in white coveralls to be fumigated in the back of a truck for bed bugs. This is crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. It was less than three weeks ago when people at the McGuire Lake Congregate Living Facility woke to eviction notices plastered around their building. This building will be closed as of October 1st. The legal situation complicated because Dan Shields, the person who operates the privately run facility, failed to notify his tenants that the building's owner had terminated the lease at the end of July. Shields estimates that he owes his landlord about $100,000. I was still under the hope that we were negotiating uh, some kind of a, a proposal in hindsight. If I'd have known this was his intention, I would have given notice on the first day. Soiled bed sheets, broken doors, exposed electrical. The facility has been criticized as appalling. But still, the eviction notice left low-income seniors and people with disabilities scrambling to find a new home with less than a month's notice. So I think it's really disgusting to not give people what is their basic rights to get out. Many seniors here and those helping pack up believe the government should have stepped in and say the system has failed. A hundred percent failure. This should have never, never happened. It's been a community here for everybody and if they all survive this, it'll be a miracle because this is the most stressful and unhumane situation that they have ever been put in. In a statement, Lawrence Eppinger, a spokesperson for the company who owns the building, says they are working with BC Housing to find new homes for everybody and that it may take a few days past October 1st. He also says he's been told that the building has deteriorated past a point where it can be safely inhabited. Jules Knox, Global News, Salmon Arm. BC Housing, which is helping with relocation, says in part there are approximately seven people who have not yet secured long-term housing. BC Housing is considering placing the remaining people into a motel while permanent housing is being found for them. 
A first for the Tri-Cities, Port Coquitlam now has its first legal private pot shop. Burb making its grand opening as a cannabis retailer today at its flagship store on Broadway Street. The lifestyle cannabis brand has been selling apparel and accessories at its two stores in Port Coquitlam since April. Well now, after BC approved two retail cannabis licenses, it's adding high quality pot products in flour, pre-roll, oil and gel capsule formats. Burb says it will also offer new products like concentrates, beverages and edibles and topicals later this year. But the expansion means the store can no longer sell clothing. One major challenge we do have right now is we are really excited about being able to promote our brand through apparel. And uh, as of today, we're not allowed to sell apparel in British Columbia. So, uh, I mean, that's something that we'd like to work on with the government and see that, you know, give us a real strong fighting chance against some of the black market uh, uh, options out there and if we can build our brand through a uh, you know a line of uh, adult apparel I think it's something that should be allowed. A Delta police officer stabbed while breaking up an alleged domestic dispute earlier this year has been awarded the department's highest honor. Acting Sergeant John Jasmines and his colleague Constable Paul Gibson received Chief Constable commendations for risking their own safety in acts of exceptional courage. In February, Jasmines was off duty picking up his kids when he saw a man attacking a woman with a knife outside Immaculate Conception School. When the Delta police officer stepped in, he was stabbed along with the woman. The suspect, 49-year-old Manoj George, was arrested and now faces 10 charges, including attempted murder and aggravated assault. Jasmine's, who was seriously wounded, says a blood donation saved his life. Wow, have a look at this. The dramatic moment an oil tanker exploded in South Korea. The video from a car's rearview camera shows at least two vehicles narrowly missing the rising flames from the explosion. A Coast Guard official said the explosion occurred on a Cayman Island flagged oil tanker just before 11 o'clock local time. The fire spread to another oil tanker docked nearby with 21 on board. A fire official said everyone on board ship was rescued, but 10 people were injured. A British-flagged oil tanker seized by Iran arrived at a Dubai port today. The ship set sail from Iran yesterday, arriving in the United Arab Emirates just before midnight. The tanker's owner says the crew will disembark in Dubai for medical checkups. Iran seized the ship in July as it passed through the Strait of Hormuz. The vessel was, taking, was taken two weeks after an Iranian tanker was held off Gibraltar with the help of the UK Royal Marines. Wildlife officials in Colorado are warning people to stay away from elks in national parks during their mating season and for good reason. Have a look at this. Video shows a bull charging at people near the visitor center at a park near Rocky Mountain National Park. It knocks down a woman and repeatedly butts her with its antlers. The woman escaped after a public works employee drove a pickup on the sidewalk and got between her and the elk. The animal then rammed the truck. There are no reports of any serious injuries. Park officials say bull elk aggressively fight over their breeding rights, adding you have to give them some space, even in developed areas. Wow. In Health Matters tonight, health advocates are calling on the federal government to take action against the growing number of vaping-related illnesses. On Friday, Quebec reported the first confirmed case in Canada of severe pulmonary illness related to vaping products. A man in his 50s started vaping in April to try to stop smoking, only to develop a serious condition. He's now recovering. It follows another possible case involving a teenager in London, Ontario. 
Health Canada is advising Canadians who use vaping products to monitor themselves for symptoms of pulmonary illness. Experts are demanding the party that forms the party that forms the next government to do more, like banning flavored e-cigarettes altogether. I hope we will not have anybody who's going to die from this. But our cautious uh, advice is today getting into uh, reality. We're still facing a huge youth epidemic. And uh, that says to me that what's out there in terms of regulations is inadequate. Doctors with the U.S. Center for Disease Control say products containing THC, the psychoactive ingredient in marijuana, may play a role in the outbreak of lung disease associated with e-cigarettes. At least 12 people in the U.S. have died from pulmonary illness related to vaping, and the number of confirmed and probable cases of lung injury have surpassed 800. A sign of the times in America, fears a new high-profile movie could trigger mass shootings, how some theaters are responding, and what the movie's star has to say about it. That's coming up after the forecast. But first, parts of Alberta are looking and feeling like winter today, and the snow isn't going away anytime soon. A snowfall warning is now in effect for the city of Calgary. 10 to 15 centimeters is expected to fall with even more forecast for the south of the city. Kasha, I am not ready for this. No, I don't think too <laughs> many of us are but you know in calgary they got i don't want to use the word crazy in a weather forecast but, but they it's do. pretty well known and us as well of course we had our fair share of snow as well this is a look at how the weather story unfolded through the overnight the temperatures plummeted and so did the freezing mark look at that near blizzard like conditions along the coquihalla summit we woke up to a good 10 centimeters of snow over there and jennifer Bro brock woke up to this site in her backyard in bridesville elevation about 1100 so she's up there and it was Jay Ackerley who tweeted this just moments ago. Happy holidays, he says. This along the highway at E.C. Manning Provincial Park. Beautiful photo. Thanks so much for allowing me to use this photo. Now the target of all the snow is Paulson Summit, Highway 3, uh, from here to Kootenai Pass. This is where we've already picked up 15 to even 30 centimeters of snow in some places. And we still have additional snowfall amounts. I'll show you the snowfall warning that we do have an effect. But first, to look at your radar, you will see that the snow is favoring the southeast of the province and now it's starting to taper off over other areas like the Coquihalla still could be seeing some flurries through the overnight but this general area still picking up five to ten centimeters of snow that's tonight and through your Sunday through the day snowfall warning also in effect Calgary or southern Alberta as well as uh, Colleen had mentioned and southern parts of Saskatchewan a quick peek at your national forecast what it looks like tomorrow so plenty of sunshine over the eastern flank of the country Regina, Saskatchewan, also seeing snow. Tomorrow, the bulk of the snow arrives for Calgary. And I almost feel guilty sharing this. Our forecast for the south coast, 18 degrees. A mix of sun and cloud. A very similar day to what we had today. So if you like today, it was gorgeous, I must say. Uh, another day like that in store. Meanwhile, for the BC piece, 4 degrees. That's your daytime high tomorrow. Plenty of sunshine Sunday into Monday. Tuesday, a little bit more cloud cover moves in. An overnight low of minus 1 for you in Whitehorse. It's a cold 
cold one. 11 will be your daytime high. So temperatures are on the rise now in Whitehorse. 14 along the north coast, so right around seasonal. Another gusty one in store tomorrow. Sunshine also in store for Monday. Sun and clouds in the central interior. Tonight we contend with those really strong northerly winds yet again. Tomorrow morning a wind chill value of about minus 7. That's how it'll be feeling as you're heading out near Prince George tomorrow morning. 6 degrees, that's your daytime high in the Columbia and the Kootenai regions. We do have a 40% chance of showers at valley bottoms. But the closer you are to Alberta, I need to say this, the better the chance that you're going to be seeing snow as well. You've got a good chance of 5 to 10 centimeters of snow in places right along the border of the Elk Valley. 9 degrees is your daytime high in uh, Thompson, Okanagan. It's just a chance of showers in the morning and a sun cloud mix for you in Whistler. 12 will be your high at Whistler Village. 18 in Victoria. Gusty conditions prevail, especially for the morning. And this, a look at your long-range forecast for Metro Vancouver. Colleen. Thanks so much, Kesha. The new movie Joker opens in theaters on Friday and the controversy about it is growing. The U.S. military has warned of potential mass shootings at the screening of the film, advising moviegoers to have escape routes planned. And now many theaters in the U.S. have issued bans on what moviegoers can bring inside. Bring me out. Can you introduce me as Joker? Joker is expected to be one of Hollywood's biggest blockbusters of the year, reportedly set to break records for an October release in the U.S. But CBS News has learned authorities are concerned about the movie, possibly inspiring someone to commit a mass shooting. Everyone laughed at me. Well, no one's laughing now. The Joker, played by Joaquin Phoenix, is portrayed as a sympathetic protagonist, dealing with internal, emotional struggles, who then turns to violence. Phoenix believes it is not the responsibility of the filmmaker to teach the audience morality. If you have somebody that has that level of emotional disturbance, um, I think that they can find um, fuel anywhere. In an alert sent by the military, which contained intelligence from the FBI, an army base in Texas encouraged people to identify two escape routes in theaters and run, hide, fight if in an active shooting situation. The alert was apparently related to extremists classified as incels. We're all dealing, including our whole family, with PTSD. Tina Marie Kuhn's son Tanner was in the Aurora, Colorado theater during one of the deadliest mass shootings in U.S. history. Twelve people were killed, 70 more injured. At a midnight showing of another Batman movie, The Dark Knight Rises, seven years ago. Are you concerned that a movie like this could trigger someone else to do what happened in Aurora? Oh, absolutely. Kuhn says it's possible someone could view the Joker through a personal lens. I think it's sad that people react to a fake story and make it real. Well, from a villain to a superhero, an urban climber known as the French Spider-Man was detained by German police today. He was arrested after scaling a high-rise building in Frankfurt. The 57-year-old has been arrested many times before in various countries by law enforcement officials waiting for him at the end of his climb. You'd think he would learn by now, but I guess it's, I guess it's worth it to him. It's the adrenaline rush of must be the adrenaline. doing it over and over again. Exactly. <laughs> nice to see you here, Chanel. Oh, thanks for having me. What's coming up? Well, uh, lots going on. I just found out the roof will be open at BC Place. Very uh, nice. Lions and the Alouettes. Uh, Lions playoffs hopes uh, fading fast, uh, but they still will play the game 
tonight. Uh, we'll set that up for you. Plus, a great day on the golf course for a couple of BC boys. Actually, three of them. Uh, we'll tell you what Adam Hadwin, Nick Taylor, and uh, Roger Sloan did coming up uh, after the break. Looking forward to mm -hmm. it. Thanks, Chanel. Chanel, it was a gorgeous day to be on the links today. <laughs> it was. It would be even better if you're in Napa Valley, oh, just like yeah. some of these guys. Uh, yeah, golfing taking front and center uh, today in sports. Thanks, Colleen. Uh, BC's Adam Hadwin and Nick Taylor are both in contention at this week's PGA Stop down in California. Roger Sloan is also having a great weekend as well. He sits tied for 15th right now, but the boys from Abbotsford putting together a, a together a solid Saturday, vaulting themselves into the top five, and they will be playing together in the second-to-last group in Sunday's final round. Nick Taylor, here we go. Shot a 69 and then a 66. On the eighth, green. This one's accessible. On the eighth his approach shot. Today. What talent. Spins it back to within about six feet, and he would step up and make birdie to get to minus 11. Adam Hadwin, a 68 and a 70 oh, yeah. to start his tournament on the 13th. The downhill birdie putt gets him to minus nine. Back to Taylor on the par five ninth, a chance for a share of the lead, and he does just that. Gets himself to minus 12. Now Hadwin on 14, a 16 and a half footer. Nothing but net. He is really solid player at minus 10. Then Hadwin on 16. The short birdie putt, he would finish with a 5-under-67. He sits tied for third at minus 11. Tied for second, or third, actually. Taylor on 12, his second shot. Man. Pulls it to within a couple of feet. He would tie for the lead at minus 13, but after a bogey on 15, troubles on 16, that is not a good lie with the second shot. So his third shot, not the best. It would uh, skip away from him. He would settle for another bogey, drops himself to minus 11. Cameron Champ leads at minus 14, but the BC contingent, just three back, should be a good final round. All right, the math isn't in their favor, but the BC Lions are still uh, still have a shot of making the playoffs, albeit the longest of long shots. Let's be honest here. This team is playing for next year, hoping to uh, get on a bit of a roll to close out the season going into the offseason. The Leos have won two straight, both versus Ottawa, and face a Montreal team without quarterback Vernon Adams Jr., who is suspended for this one. Now, BC's defense has looked solid of late, and so has the offense, although they will be tested tonight. I mean, they've got a very good defense. You know, they're a team that makes you uh, have long, sustained drives. Um, and I thought that we did a pretty good job of it for the most part. We didn't finish in the red zone a couple of times like we wanted to. Uh, but they're not really the team that's going to, you know, have busted coverages and breakdowns and things like that, that you're going to be able to take a bunch of big shots over the top. Uh, there are a few opportunities, and you want to make sure that you're successful when you, when you try those out. All right, Lions needing some help from the Red Blacks, taking on the Eskimos, who are ahead of BC in the standings. Fourth quarter, Dominic Davis to another Dominic. Dominic rhymes for a big gain. 45-yard gain for the Red Blacks. It would lead to a short touchdown run for Davis here. The first touchdown in 58 possessions for the Red Blacks over three games. Two-pointer is good. Ties the game at 14-all. Less than three minutes to play. Logan Kilgore to Tavon Smith. Makes a spectacular grab. 21-14, 21-16 would be the final. Edmonton wins to move eight points ahead of BC. A Lions loss tonight will eliminate them from playoff contention. Oh, look at this, the floss. I still don't know how to do that one. Uh, Riders and the Argos 
Saskatchewan can clinch a playoff spot with a win here. Cody Fajardo to Karan Moore goes in for the score. 10-3 for the Riders. And then you celebrate with the big chain play. A couple of former Lions hooking up here. Fajardo to Manny Arsenault. 41-10 late in the fourth quarter. Looks like the Riders are headed to the playoffs. All right, some good news for, uh, for the Canucks today as Brock Besser returned to practice after suffering a concussion earlier in the week. Now, Besser wore a green jersey, which means no contact, and spent about a half an hour taking part in drills and some power play time as well. Oscar Fantenberg also taking part in non-contact drills. He suffered a head injury in that same game versus the Senators. Now, we'll find out in the coming days if either player is ready for the season opener in Edmonton on Wednesday. All right, Vancouver's other hockey team in action last night. Vancouver Giants home opener, team raising the banners from last season. Justin Lies scores here. It looks like he scored here, but Milos Roman would get credit. That would tie the game up at one. Tristan Nielsen scores in the second here. Giants would lose 4-2. Uh, Barn is back. And they are in Kamloops uh, later tonight. And speaking of tonight, at the LEC, the gold medal game of the World Lacrosse Indoor Championships. Canada going for its fifth straight title. The Canadians face Iroquois Nationals. Game gets going at 8 o'clock. Should be a good one out there. Welcome back. Uh, Coming off their loss to the Saints, the Seahawks look to rebound in Arizona tomorrow afternoon. Seattle plays its first divisional game this season against a team with a new quarterback and in a stadium. The Hawks have been successful in recent years. Despite racking up over 500 yards of offense, the Seahawks still managed to lose last week. The stats are skewed, though. A big chunk of that coming in garbage time in the fourth quarter. Now sticking to the air, likely a good plan in the desert. Tyler Lockett, 11 catches last week for 154 yards. He could be looking for another big game. Starting running back Chris Carson has had troubles holding on to the ball, fumbling in every game so far this season. Now he faces a terrible run defense, but any more ball handling issues could see CJ Procise taking over in the backfield. The defense generated very little pressure on the quarterback last week. Mind you, the Saints do have a solid offensive line, but Seattle has to take advantage of an inferior Arizona front. The Hawks 21st in sacks, six of them in three games, but five coming in week one. The 2019 top pick is getting more comfortable as his completion percentage has risen from 53 to 70% versus the Panthers last week. But Kyler Murray did struggle in that game, two interceptions, and he was sacked eight times. Now the rookie has been dropped 16 times this season, second most in the NFL. Now if Seattle's pass rush gets going, Murray could be in for a long day. The defense has struggled mightily, giving up 443 yards a game, third worst, including an average of 157 on the ground. Arizona has allowed a 100-yard rusher in each of the last two weeks. The Hawks will look to exploit that run defense, and if the Cards can adjust, they'll likely remain winless. One of the bright spots, the play of the veterans, Larry Fitzgerald, two touchdowns and a couple of hundred-yard games, while David Johnson still remains a dual threat from the backfield, and he has been effective versus Seattle in the past. 
The Seahawks are favored by four and a half and have not lost to the Cards in Glendale since 2012. Bobsleigh Canada, Skelton has granted Kaylee Humphrey's request to be released from the team to compete for the U.S. In a news release, the board of directors say this was not an easy decision or one that was taken lightly. Humphreys had requested a release from back in August. Uh, Bobsleigh Canada says it weighed all the relevant factors in the decision, adding it firmly believes in supporting its current athletes. All right, a big congratulations going out to BC's Evan Dunphy, who captured bronze in the 50-kilometer race walk at the World Track and Field Championships in Doha, Qatar. He finished with a time of four hours, four minutes, and two seconds. All right, the highlight event at this... At the World Championships, the 100 meters, two Canadians in the final, Aaron Brown, the 2019 uh, Canadian champ, Andre de Grasse, the Olympic bronze medalist, and American Christian Coleman, fastest man in 2019, and the one to catch in this one. They're away, Coleman blasts out of the blocks, Gatlin staying with him on his left-hand side, de Grasse is in a big hole, it's Coleman running away! Oh yeah, 9.76 for Coleman. The fastest time of the year and the sixth fastest of all time. DeGrasse just missed out of the silver medal, settling for a bronze. Brown was eighth in the field. 2017 world champ Justin Gatlin finished second. Coleman establishing himself as the man to beat at the 2020 Tokyo Olympics next year. And Dominic Calvert-Lewis. Man City going with their snow cone uniforms, taking on Everton. Liverpool won this morning to go 7-0, so City trying to stay close. Tied at one. Riyad Mahrez with the free kick. That would break a two, or that would make it 2-1 for City. And then later in the 84th minute, Raheem Sterling shot from in close, off the bar, and it does cross the line. 3-1 is the final. City remains five points back of Liverpool for top spot. World Cup of Rugby, Japan taking on Ireland. The Irish with a try here. Rob Kearney getting across the line. It would be reviewed. It stays. 12-9 at the half, but in the 58th minute, Kenki Fukuoka with the try to give Japan the go-ahead points. And they would pull off the upset as Ireland is ranked in the top five, but Japan, the host nation, a 1912 victory. You can really tell <laughs> Yeah, that's right. South Africa taking on Namibia. Canada will play both of these teams later in the tournament. A cakewalk for the Springboks. Makazolo Mapimpi going for the try there. His second of the game. 57 to 3 is your final. Canada takes on New Zealand Wednesday at 3.15 a.m. The Canadians. Underdogs by uh, 65 points. Go Canada. Yeah, hopefully. Go Canada. We have some breaking news to tell you. Several witnesses tell Global News of shots fired at 188th and Fraser Highway in Surrey. There's a heavy police presence at the gas station there. The windshield of a Mercedes SUV is covered by a yellow tarp. We have a crew heading to the scene and we will have more throughout the evening on BC1 and of course on Global News at 11. All right, Bordeaux lovers race to get their hands on some rare bottles this morning. Some lined up overnight ahead of the annual release of the coveted French wine. The 2016 vintage is being touted as 
perfect because of a long and drawn-out growing season in southwest France that allowed the grapes to ripen slowly. More than 10,000 cases, ranging in price from $25 to $3,500 per bottle, wow. hit the shelves this morning. People put it in their calendar, and really in the early summertime, people start to ask, customers start to ask, when is the Bordeaux release this year? I want to make sure I'm not traveling at that time, etc. And I think there are groups of people that come together, they plan to go to lunch afterward, they stock their cellars, and, you know, they really, it's, it's a great and joyous thing. And then they can share wine together. Maybe they'll get together for dinner and they'll share a bottle that they bought 10 years ago at the release or 15 years ago at the release. So it's a real celebration. But they better be good friends if you're spending that kind of money. If that's I'd love to try that I bottle. Would love to. I'm on the $25 bottle. Yeah. I'm like on the no. other side. Kidding. Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, as we leave you tonight, we're going to show you some live shots of the shooting scene in Surrey where there is a vehicle under a tarp. Jordan Armstrong will have all the details on BC1 and at 11. Thanks for joining us.